welcome to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pony. Hello and welcome everybody. It is indeed This Week in Sports and I am your host, The Pody. I want to start off by apologizing to everyone for the late show. It is about 6.30 on the East Coast here on Saturday. I was hoping to get this out earlier, but um, I had a prior engagement. I was coaching some college softball, so um, that's what took up most of my morning, and I am back here at the at my desk here, ready to give you guys a pretty good show. I'm hoping. Um, I'm all over the place. I really didn't ha- have any notes or anything. I do want to start off really quickly by going over the uh, college football scoreboard. Right now, we have so- we had some good games going on um, in the early window of games. We saw Oklahoma beat Texas 34 to 27. That was a bit of a back and forth. That was a low scoring game f- throughout most of that um, contest. And then uh, it started to pull away in the second half there. It was like 10 to 10 in the second, in, in the first half. And, and then they started to put up some points. Um, let's see, Jalen Hurts, he had a. Uh, pretty modest game, 235 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He also ran the ball 70, uh, 17 times for 131 yards and, a t- and another touchdown, so not too bad there. Um, we had Tennessee in an upset. Tennessee has not had a great start to their season thus far out, and um, they end up be upsetting Mississippi State 20-10. to 10. And then in the surprise of the day, in the early window of games, we saw Georgia-South Carolina go to overtime. Number three, Georgia upset at home by a final score of 20-17. to 17. So that is right now probably the upset of the year. Okay. Um, then we had Michigan, Illinois. That was a tight one th- much throughout that the course of that contest, but Michigan pulled away late, wins that one 42 to 25. Uh, we saw Oregon win 45 to three. I think that game was on yesterday. Same with the Miami Virginia game. That was a bit of a low scoring, um, dull game. 17 to nine, Miami gets the win and upset there over number 20, uh, Virginia. Okay. And then we saw, uh, what else do we got here? Um, most of these games are still going on right now. Um, Let's see. But uh, oh, Clemson finally Florida State scores. By the way, but Clemson up forty-two to seven. It was forty-two to nothing. And how about Wisconsin all over Michigan State, thirty-eight to nothing. Let's see how many touchdowns Jonathan Taylor has this in this game thus far. He has um, held to a modest eighty yards with about ten minutes left to go. But he's got two touchdowns, um, so pretty good there. Um, and then of course, Rutgers, they continue to cash in on every single bet that I make each and every week. I say it on my sports minute every single week on, on the glorious house of gains podcast. And I said it again on Thursday night, Rutgers at Indiana, 28 point underdogs. I said, bet Indiana all day long. And what did Indiana do? They came out 10 seconds into the game on the first play of the game. They got a strip sack 
fumble that they ran back to the house. They end up winning this one easily, 35 to nothing. So they covered nicely. So that's another win for me right there in the books. Um, thankfully, because my NFL picks have been brutal, and I, I'm pretty sure that it's been the same for everybody because there are some wild and wacky games. We had the Oakland Raiders um, beating the Chicago Bears in London last week. I get it. It's Chase Daniel, and it's not Mitchell Trubisky, but is there that much of a drop-off? I think not. And in a Khalil Mack revenge game against the team that traded him and that he started his career with, you would have thought that they would have come out on fire I guess the trip across the pond, they were not so much ready to go, maybe partying a little bit too hard, um, all of the Jacksonville Jaguars in the strip clubs there in London from a year ago um, but they they were about they were down 17 nothing they came all the way back they were about to cover and then there was a fourth down fourth and one and the um, the Raiders were able to sneak it up the middle on the fake punt and then they ended up going down and actually winning the game so not only did the Bears lose they didn't even cover so just some weird wacky stuff going on um, the Patriots didn't cover for the second straight week against the Bills just crazy stuff uh, they did cover though on Thursday night but back to the college uh, ranks yeah Rutgers they might be the worst team in Big Ten history uh, and they've only been in the Big Ten for a what modest uh, three four five years so it's really bad Um, the game of the day right now seems to be Arizona State Washington State Arizona State just tied it up early in the fourth quarter it's 31 apiece there you have Alabama they're up 14 on Texas A&M with about 14 minutes to go Um, Rhode Island and Virginia Tech that game is 24 to 17 Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech is on the move at the URI 19. That game a lot closer than it should be. Um, Iowa State's on top of West Virginia, and then of course we've got the better games later tonight. You've got Penn State, number 10 Penn State against number 17 Iowa. That game's on at 7:30. You've got Notre Dame hosting USC same time, and then of course the big one at eight o'clock. It's LSU Florida. Um, two top 10 teams right there, but I'm going to be watching the Yankees, obviously game one of the ALCS against the Houston Astros. Okay. Let's get back into uh, some, fo- some NFL football. Okay. Um, let's start off with a scary moment for, um, Steelers quarterback, Mason Rudolph. There was a play, um, I think it was in the second half or so, and he dropped back to pass and he got sandwiched between two defenders and he got knocked out absolutely unconscious. His body was laying stiff, rigid on the field. It was a very scary moment. They had to basically cut his face mask off of his mask, It was off of his helmet. It was very... Uh, a very, very scary moment. Everybody basically was holding their breath on this one because it, it, it was obvious that he was knocked unconscious there for about 30 seconds to a minute. And, and then finally he was able to get up. There was some weird stuff happening with the cart that they brought out to stretcher him off. It broke down or, or there was, you know, some error by the operator there. Who knows what happened, but it was a bad look because they had to basically walk him off the field. They had two guys under each arm and they were helping him walk off the field. Um, just the bad look, uh, and um, I'm sure he's going to be out a while, even though he did, uh, I did read that he um, returned to practice, surprisingly enough. I'm watching the Washington Nationals and St. Louis uh, Cardinals here, because if you don't know, the Cardinals and Nationals both won their respective game fives of their series, the Nationals in a thriller in 10 innings, 
couple nights ago beating the Dodgers, who had been to the World Series each of the last two seasons and were the the uh, perennial favorites and powerhouse out of the uh, National League. And then my Cardinals, who I've been saying all playoffs long, I've been picking the Cardinals, saying that they are going to make the World Series. They came out in Game 5 against the Braves, put up a 10 spot in the first inning, tied a record for most runs in a playoff game in the fir- in one inning. And um, uh, they ended up dropping the first game of this series in a tough luck loss last night, one to nothing. And uh, Anibal Sanchez had a no hitter going, I believe, through seven and two thirds innings. Um, just very, very tough job. And now again, the Nationals are winning this one. It was one nothing going into this eighth inning. They just put up a two spot. Adam Wainwright pitched very well. They maybe just left him in a batter too long. I would have taken him out after they got the first two runners on. They elected to stick with him, and now it's 3-0, and once again, the Cardinals have just one hit on the game for two uh, back-to-back games, two nights in a row. Just one hit is not going to be enough. Um, I think they they, they scored all their runs in that um, drubbing the other day against the Braves, but uh, so yeah, scary moment for Mason Rudolph getting back to the football side of things. Um, Just tough. Uh, Back to uh, last week, I talked about the Vikings and, and their disarray and everything going on with that offense and Stefan Diggs maybe wanting a trade and Adam Thielen coming out and saying some things about how he needs to get the ball and then Kirk Cousins um, apologizing for it well uh, they ended up going out there they beat the Giants by like 15 or so um, and, and they handled them pretty easily although that could have fallen apart uh, the Giants just just some some bad mistakes there but um, yeah so now that they won that game I like I said Winning is the cure to everything. So now that they've won, Stefan Diggs is pulling back the reins a little bit and saying he doesn't necessarily want to be traded. Okay, so interesting enough there. Uh, Let's talk quickly about the Texans, Deshaun Watson. He had an unbelievable day against the Falcons. He had a perfect passer rating. Uh, The Falcons are in total shambles right now. Dan Quinn needs to start to think about cleaning out his office because he is not going to be, uh, he's not going to be hanging around much longer. If they lose uh, tomorrow, he's definitely getting fired in my opinion. Um, The the Texans, however, they moved to three and two, and I believe the Falcons are now one and four. Uh, they won this game fifty-three to thirty-two. It was a big shootout in Houston, and uh, yeah, so Deshaun Watson finally looking good when he has time and he has a chance to make a play. He's as good as anybody. So uh, yeah, but yeah, the Falcons. I just don't understand why they wait to the second half to start throwing the ball and ramping up their offense. They have number eleven on the field, and Julio Jones might be the most talented receiver in the game. And they just wait and wait and wait till it's too late to get him the ball. And then when it's a passing situation, everybody knows they're they're going to drop back to pass. Nobody is ready for it. I mean, excuse me, the, the defense is ready for it. And that's when the turnovers happen, the interceptions, the sack fumbles, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, the, the Falcons, mark my words, Dan Quinn, not going to make it through the season. The... Surprise, not really surprised, but the, the the big game, America's game of the week really on Fox was that, um, f- uh, excuse me, Cowboys and 
Packers game, and no Devontae Adams in this one. I took the Cowboys to win. I thought for sure, you know, the way that they're playing, very good football, going to establish the run early. The the Packers are much improved on the defensive end, let me tell you. Um, they got a big statement win after that horrible loss on Thursday night a, a week prior against the Eagles. They came right back, and Aaron Jones had himself a day. Um, I apologize to anyone, and I am very sorry if you played against Aaron Jones. Jones in fantasy football, but um, he had four touchdowns on the day. They uh, the Green Bay Packers improved to four and one, getting the 34-24 uh, victory. This one wasn't as close as the score indicated. The Cowboys scored a couple t- uh, uh, had a couple scores late to kind of get back in this one, but yeah, wow, um, four touchdowns, tying a franchise record there for Aaron Jones. Just an unbelievable day. Okay, uh, let's move on real quick. Uh, Another surprising game was the Sunday night football game in which the Colts absolutely smothered the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Uh, I mean, who would have thought two drives into that game, Mahomes had that had that ball moving up and down the field, left and right. He was throwing to a million different receivers. He threw for like over 130 yards in those first two drives. And then that defensive line, those edge rushers, they started coming heavy and hard after Mahomes. They sacked him a couple times, uh, banged up that offensive line. Mahomes re-injured his ankle twice throughout this game, although he does say he's fine now. And surprisingly, the uh, Colts hand the Chiefs their first loss of the season. It was a very um, well-managed game by the Colts. They came in with a very solid game plan, and they win this one 19-13 in a bit of an old-school defensive minded game. Very surprising there. Um, Jacoby Brissett looked good. T.Y. Hilton did come back, although he didn't do too much. You could tell he wasn't 100%. Okay. Um, in, in another surprising move, the Patriots, they ended up beating the Washington Redskins for a second. The Redskins had the lead in that game. But then they end, they, they go on to get blown uh, blown out of that one. And I'm going to try to um, cue up the audio here of Jay Gruden. He was, um, talking after the game about how, um, about his job security and whether or not he thought, um, if he was still going to have a job after, um, Sunday's loss and they still could not get a win like 0-4, 0-5. Uh, let's see. Um, I can't find it here. I'm going to try to find it. But basically what happened was Jay Gruden said that was asked about his um, status as football coach because they, again, were winless. Unbelievable. The uh, That was a line drive to Adam Eaton in right field, and he makes a, a, a leaping catch. So it's two down in the eighth inning. Cardinals running out of outs here, down to four outs. Uh, wow, I can't believe I can't find this video of Jay Gruden with his press conference here when asked about um, his job security. Okay, so anyway, basically, he was asked about it, and he said, you know, if his key, if the keys work, he's still come, he's gonna come, he's gonna show up to to work. Well, f- f- uh, the ne- Monday, five a.m., he was called in to headquarters, and yes, he was fired. Uh, Jay Gruden, first coach of the 2019 season to be let go. And can I blame the organization? Nah. 
I don't know. Not really. When you when you listen to what some of the players have to say, Chris Thompson, um, running back for the Redskins, he actually got choked up a bit and started crying when, when asked about Jay Gruden. This was even before he got fired and saying that he believes that Jay Gruden was really one of the only guys to believe in him and, and he loves him as a coach and a person and all that good stuff. Um, so you kind of get some mixed reactions. Some guys leave the team and they say that he's a great players coach, but when they look back on it, maybe a little too lacks a too you know too uh too much of a uh, player's coach lets them get away with a little bit too much instead of having that that good discipline that you want out of a um out of a head coach to have a uh, a team that 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 you know plays hard and, and wins some football games but realistically Jay Gruden what could he have done with the talent on this team I mean, it was very tough when they lost Alex Smith last year to that horrific leg injury, okay? And then you trade for Case Keenum, and we all know what Case Keenum is. He's a journeyman quarterback. He's not a horrible quarterback. We saw what he did a few years ago with the Minnesota Vikings when he has players around him. He just doesn't have those players around him in Washington, okay? they. I, I will say this. Jay Gruden did screw up in week one when he decided to deactivate Air. Um, Adrian Peterson, when he made him a healthy scratch, I said that was a really, really bad decision. And Darius Geis, it proved wrong because he ended up getting hurt, put on the IR. Um, and then they went back to to Adrian Peterson. And they're just there's not enough talent on this team. Jordan Reed is on the brink of retirement because he's had so many so many concussions. So yes, Jay Gruden fired first coach um, this season to be let go. And now, uh, fittingly enough, they they replace him with um, with, with Bill Callahan, who who's been around forever. Okay, in both the college and NFL ranks, their offensive line coach has been promoted. And the funny thing about this all is the Redskins had a good chance to get their first win of the season tomorrow when they play the Miami Dolphins, another winless team. Okay, um, moving on. Oh, what, you know what? I do want to real quick talk about some um, s- some numbers. Uh, okay, so Frank Gore. Okay, on Sunday he joined Emmett Smith as the excuse me only two running backs in NFL history to start two hundred career games. I mean, Frank Gore has just been a machine at the running back position. And then, of course, we all know Tom Brady is an absolute animal. Um, He had 348 yards on Sunday. He passed Brett Favre for third on the all-time passing yards list. And fittingly enough, he only trailed Peyton Manning for a few days because just two nights ago, he passed Peyton Manning. He needed, what, 18 yards, and he he got a 19-yard pass to Sonny Michelle, I believe. So, so um, he now only trails Drew Brees, and I don't know that he's going to catch him because Drew Brees is still playing. Um, okay, what else we got here? Oh, a weird, weird thing happened on Sunday in the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Um, one of their offensive linemen, Alex Kappa, he played two quarters with a broken arm, and I kid you not, I mean, football players are some of the toughest SOBs out there, um, 
uh, really athletes in general, but he broke. So, so this guy, offensive lineman, he broke his arm in the second quarter um, of their game against the Saints on Sunday. He then went on to play all 59 offensive snaps plus four snaps on special teams. And then after the game, he told reporters that his injury was just a bruise, not even knowing that he actually broke his arm. It was Bruce Arians that commended him for his toughness. I, I mean, just wow. And, and then Arians did go on to say that, uh, yeah, he'll miss a few weeks uh, naturally. I mean, he broke his freaking arm. Just unbelievable. Um, the Titans, they had a miserable game against the Buffalo Bills, who somehow are now 4-1, and one, just unbelievable. Uh, Cairo Santos, the Cairo Santos experiment is now over. They are moving on from him after a miserable day. He missed four field goals in a loss to the Bills, and naturally, you miss four field goals, you deserve to be cut, because that is just unacceptable. If he would have um, been able to make one or two, they might have actually won the game. So uh, yeah, it's it's going. Uh, their season started off strong with the win against the Browns, but it's been downhill from then. And um, the, you know they they went into the season expecting Ryan Suckup to be you know their primary kicker, and and you know things happen, players get hurt. Um, and, and that's exactly, you know, where, where this one fell. He get, got put on injured reserve and he's out until week eight. And, and until then, you know, they've got to find themselves a kicker to help them win some games. Um, Cody Parkey is the name that I'm hearing that they're going to use to replace him. So, uh, maybe keep an eye on that. If you're a Titans fan, um, there, um, you know, what else? Let's see. Uh, I don't know if there's too much left to talk about in football. Okay, the Monday night football game, we'll talk about that really quick. I did say on last week's episode, after the Browns came back and uh, and got the win against the Ravens, another game that I picked incorrectly. Unbelievable. Um, but I I did say that the Browns, maybe they found themselves a little bit. Well, they took another step back, they, a huge giant leap backwards um, with this game against the 49ers on the national stage. They had a chance to show everybody something, but, uh, you know, Nick Bosa and that defensive line, that whole defense, Richard Sherman, those guys, the offense, I mean, Garoppolo, they were, they were moving it. They got Tevin Coleman back. He looked solid, 97 yards. I mean, they were really humming it downfield on both ends and Bosa got his revenge against Baker Mayfield. He got the sack and then he pretended to wave the flag and plant it on the field because we all know back to college two years ago when those two teams, two guys faced off each other, Baker for Oklahoma and Bosa for Ohio State. Oklahoma got the win and then they oh my god I cannot believe what I just saw Michael A. Taylor just ran in at a line drive and completely misplayed it it went over his head with two outs no less off of, off of um, a, a Jose Martinez line drive, the Cardinals get a lucky mistake by the Nats center fielder, and it is now 3-1. to one. They get gifted a run, and now this place is humming. The fans are on their feet. They're cheering because if they can get another base hit here in the eighth, they will knock this down to a one-run game. Those two insurance runs back in the eighth inning at the top of the inning, wow, are they looming large now, that is one of the worst plays I've ever seen by a major league player. I cannot believe that just happened. I mean, wow. Jose Martinez just poked it. He came running in and then said, oh shit, and had to literally jump from a standing still position. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, 
whether you play Little League, whether you play softball, whether you play in high school, college, or Major League Baseball, I didn't know that I had to tell Major Leaguers this, your first step is always back. And first pitch, and Dexter Fowler pops out to right field, so they will not get another run, and it holds there at 3-1. to one. So yes, first step is always back, guys. But anyway, back to this Browns game. They came out flat, and they looked terrible. The 49ers were all over them, and they get the blowout, 31-3. I don't even know if Odell Beckham had a catch in this game. Um, the 49ers, they are legit. Uh, I know I said a few weeks ago that they can't be they can't be this good and this legit, but now that they got Tevin Coleman back and what I've seen out of that defense, I didn't think that defense was as good as it was, but wow. I mean, they held Baker Mayfield to 8 of 22 for 100 yards with two interceptions and a 13.4 passer rating. The knock on Baker is once he starts to leave the pocket, um, that's when he's going to you know, hesitate. That's when the guy he's not going to be able to outrun guys, and he holds on to the ball too long, and the 49ers knew it, and, and they ate him alive, and I'd love everything that they did. I love the comments from Bosa after the game, how he's been waiting for this. They knew exactly what Baker Mayfield was. And right now, Baker Mayfield is proving to be a bust here in his second year. He is taking strides backwards. You wanted your coach fired last year. You wanted Freddie Kitchens to be the head coach, which he now is. Well, guess what? He's not going to be the head coach after this season if it continues to go this way, because they have had they have done nothing impressive um, except for that game a week ago when they beat the Ravens. That was their signature win on the year because the other win, of course, we remember was against my Jets on Monday Night Football. So not a good look for the uh, Browns. Okay, Um, I'm going to take a quick break. Um, I got to read this um, ad because I don't really get paid too much to do this. I like to do this because I'm a sports guy and um, I like to bring it to the masses and kind of help you guys out and and give you the lowdown on what's going on throughout the week. So I'm going to take a quick bathroom break. I'll read this ad, um, you know, this ad off real quick, and then uh, we'll get back into some baseball because it has been a crazy um, October in in, uh, Major League Baseball. So quick break. Read that, get that out of the way, um, and then we'll move on. Catch you back here in about two minutes. Okay, so we're back. I'm good on time. Yankee game starts in a little over an hour. Okay, we're going to talk baseball, and I do. I want to apologize. I really am kind of all over the place, but I want to start with the, I know I already talked about it too, but the Nationals and Dodgers series, that one went to five games, and um, it was a very entertaining series. And so this one, we'll pick this one up. It's 3-1 Dodgers. It's Walker Bueller versus Steven Strasburg. Strasburg um, has pitched great throughout his postseason career but he gave up a couple runs early in this one couple home runs so they're down three to one pick it up in the eighth inning uh they bring it Clayton Kershaw in at the end of the seventh to get the final out again lefty lefty matchup I believe it was he gets the out there okay and then he they bring him back in to start the eighth inning which is very interesting because you have Kalarik, your lefty specialist whose job it is coming out of the bullpen is to get lefties out and you start with Anthony Rendon uh the best one of the best hitters in all of baseball and um Kershaw serves up a home run to him and then he comes right back to Juan Soto the very next batter and that's when this happened take a listen Soto 
in the air to deep right center field. And there she goes. We are tied. So that's that. That would be Juan Soto tying the game up. First pitch he saw, it was a hanger from Kershaw. And then we end up sending this one. This one goes to extra innings of game five, tied at three apiece. And then they bring in Joe Kelly when Kenley Jansen was warming up. They should have brought in Kenley Jansen because Joe Kelly, this was his second inning of work. Just some bad moves by Dave Roberts. Some real bad moves um, all around, really. I believe they were in like the fifth inning with runners on too. And um, and Strasburg came up to the plate when they should have been pinch hitting for him with runners on and they couldn't get the bunt down or just... I, I, Maybe it was Scherzer, I don't know. But this was the play in this 10th inning that ended it. Um, I apologize for that. That was the play, but that would be somebody um, putting um, some uh, Celine Dion on top of it. Let me see if I could find the uh, Howie Kendrick Grand Slam. It'll just take me a minute to find. Because I will... Well, before I find that... um, yeah, let's listen to Clayton Kershaw after the game. Get three outs and got one out and um, didn't get the other two and they went over the fence. It cost us the game right there. So um, that's it's a terrible feeling. Um, you know, there's no no excuses. We just didn't make pitches and guy hit it over the fence twice. So. Yeah. Yeah, he was a lot um, more down on himself afterwards. The camera crew got had him just sulking on the bench, just sitting there by himself. And and, uh, one of the coaches, I believe it was, came over and they said, you know, he had a tear in his eye and it, it, it was on him. Yes, but it's not like the game was still tied. They still had a chance to um to win the game in extras and they didn't get it done so he didn't necessarily blow the game but his woes in the playoffs continue man just unbelievable just unbelievable and here is i do i have the the uh, howie kendrick grand slam queued up so here it is this would be the game winner um howie kendrick grand slam to center field in a 3-3 game in the 10th inning god damn it why is everybody okay here it is Okay, maybe not. Let's go. Oh, no good audio on that. See, this is what happens when you're not prepared. Let's see. Nope, they keep putting the damn Titanic music on it. Let's see here. Maybe this one. This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam. To break it open. Wow. It is seven to three. And that was all she wrote there, ladies and gentlemen. The Nationals with the stunner in LA. And like I said, they're about to go up 2-0 on my St. Louis Cardinals. And I don't want to call them my St. Louis Cardinals like that's my team. Make no mistake. I am a tried and true New York Yankees fan. My whole have been my whole life. Um, Thank God I have them in my life because the rest of my teams are absolutely horrible. If you count my New Jersey Devils, who I'm not really a hockey fan, but that's my team is the Devils 0-4. If you count the New York Jets 
0-4. If you count Rutgers football, what, 1-5, and their first win shouldn't even count against um, UMass. That is some bad, bad, bad um, teams to be a fan of. I mean, so thank God I have the New York Yankees, who I'll get to in a second. Okay, as the Cardinals hold the Nationals there in the ninth inning, and they go to the bottom half of the ninth, down 3-1, to one, and I think that's Hudson coming on to close this one. No, that was Hudson warming up right there. I don't know who the other guy is coming on to pitch, but um, I'll see when that comes out of commercial. Okay, let's talk about my New York Yankees because they played the Minnesota Twins in the ALDS, and I've got to say I'm a little bit surprised that they blew them out of the water the way that they did. A um, little bit of a it was a little weird to see Brett Gardner batting third, kind of thought, what the heck are they doing there? But it worked out. Um, Aaron Boone went with the same lineup for three straight games, and it, and hey, it worked. It worked every single game, although game three was a tough one to watch. They needed every single break that they could get. The uh, Minnesota Twins tried their best. There were just some tough luck plays for them. There was a, a line drive smoked by Miguel Sano that Nobody but Aaron Judge would have been able to catch it with his, what, 6'6 frame, whatever he is. I mean, he was able to stretch out and just grab that one. I Just unbelievable. The Yankees, by the way, despite all their injuries, which is a, they had a record number of injuries this season, and um, they just have that next man up mentality. And they got the win 5-1. to one. They added a couple late runs in the ninth inning. But um, they, they uh, yeah, they... They surprisingly held the Twins in check. I think the Twins hit like four or five solo home runs in this series. Every one of them was solo. No big-time home runs. No three-run homers. No grand slams. No two-run shots. Nothing like that. They were limited, yeah, four solo shots in the series and left nine runners on base in that game three, um, that final game there. Just you could easily tell that the Twins, although they broke a record for most home runs in Major League Baseball history, you could tell that they were outmatched and outgunned. They play in a very weak division in the Central there against the likes of the Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals, Chicago White Sox, just not a lot of good teams there um, that they're going up against. Um, it, it was it was a marvel to watch from the Yankees, actually, and, and I'm, I'm quite surprised that it was a... Um, was a sweep because I thought the Twins, you know, they won 100 games, mind you. And the Twins now are the first team to win 100 games and get swept in the DS. So that is just wow. Um, the really only competition that the Twins had was Cleveland in that division. I mean, you have the White Sox won 72 games, Kansas City 59, and Detroit 47. I mean, that's how bad we're talking. So they really, if you want to think about it, didn't play anybody. And they did. They beat up on the bad teams and didn't have much success on the uh on the good teams on the uh plus 500 type teams so um yeah the Yankees are moving on and like I said all the injuries they used 155 different lineups throughout the year but in in all three of those games Aaron Boone used the same exact lineup so very impressive oh this is Patrick Corbin See, I don't understand this. Why are you saving Hudson, who has been your closer of re- this guy's? This this guy's a joke. Martinez, the the Nats uh, manager. This guy is another one. Him and Dave Roberts gotta go. They just what are you doing? I mean, what are you doing? Seriously, uh, uh, they're gonna win the game, but it's just not a good move. Why are you putting your third starter 
out there to close this game coming out of the bullpen. It's like with Clayton Kershaw. Why did Dave, and look at this, he pulls him after one batter. He had him in there to throw to the lefty Wong. That makes, that that's a joke. If you're a closer, you can get out lefties and righties. That's your job. They don't need Corbin to come out here, throw to one batter, and, and then get hurt or something. It's like when they brought out Kershaw. I get it's Clayton Kershaw, and he probably begged to get in that game, and it's like, okay, I'm going to put you in because you're Clayton. No, you're paying 12 or 13 pitchers, however many you you have on the roster, okay? Their job is to get out, out of the bullpen. That's their only job. They get paid to come in and pitch to one, two, or three batters, and that's it. Usually one inning and no more, okay? That is their job. So use the guys that have been doing it all year. You haven't used starters in the bullpen all year, so why do we start to get to get anxious and, and start doing it in the playoffs? Because I'd, I'd really love to know the stats uh, on how often that that works out when a starter comes out of the bullpen. I, I really would love to know that. But anyway, the Yankees move on to the ALDS. They were waiting to find out who they would play, and we found out who it was last night. It was the Astros, of course, Garrett Cole, their stud ace um, behind Justin Verlander, just overpowering Tyler Glass now. Uh, this game was over in the first inning. It was 4 to nothing before the Rays even turned around. They end up getting another—they uh, got a run back off of a, um, uh, a home run by shoot. Uh, this game— excuse me, was on Thursday, not last night. The Nationals and and uh, Cardinals played last night. But um, the, excuse me, the Tampa Bay Rays got a home run from Sogard, Eric Sogard, who was starting his first game in a really long time. He got the solo shot off Garrett Cole. They added a two-run homer from Jose Altuve for his 11th of his postseason career, which ties teammate George Springer for most in Astros history. And, and uh, fun fact here, a little trivia, Jose Altuve has more home runs than any second baseman in the history of the playoffs, believe it or not. 11. He passed Chase Utley, who had 10 career postseason home runs. That's quite impressive. And so now they are the favorite headed into that series against the Yankees. Um, The Rays, I got to give them some credit. They fought, they battled, um, and they just were a little bit overmatched. And interesting uh, nugget here that we want to keep an eye on going into this ALCS. There's some controversy that Tyler Glass now um, in Houston was either tipping his pitches or the um, Astros were stealing some pitches because if you break down the numbers, the Astros pitchers were money, money, money under two ERA at home in the series and had an ERA over seven, I believe. Um, in uh, on the road in Tampa. So very interesting um, to keep an eye on that against the Yankees. There could be some controversy in this season. I mean, in this series. So uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I'm a little upset at the fact that the Yankees kind of dogged it at the end of the year. And now they lost that home field in this series because we know what happened two years ago. They went to seven games in Houston and it proved to be too much. The Astros at home are money, man. And um, I'm going to keep an eye on this game. I'm going to see if there's some, you know, sign stealing. If it looks like that they're locked in on, on these pitchers and on some of these pitches, then the Yankees that, you know, they've got guys in the organization that are going to be looking into this, but there could be some shady illegal stuff going on there um so that's something to keep an eye out for um let's see what else um yeah and then the cardinals and the brave series that one went to five the yankees were the only um team to sweep the ds 
Every other game went to five, which is good in the sense that the Yankees will now get to face Zach Greinke in game one, which is way better than having to face Verlander and getting in a hole already down one nothing in the series. So Greinke, he got beat up in his only start on the road in uh, Tampa. In Tampa, yes, um, unfortunately. Wow, Wisconsin is the first FBS team to record four shutouts. Uh, what did that say? Four shutouts in its first six games of a season since the 1967 Oklahoma Sooners. They're also the first Big Ten team to do this since Minnesota in 1962. Minnesota, uh, excuse me, Wisconsin has only allowed 29 points. Through six games, it's the fewest by any FBS team since 1993 when Florida State allowed fewer than that. How about this? Rutgers allowed 35 today. Do you think they'll win another game the rest of the season? They have to play the likes of Ohio State, Michigan State, undefeated Minnesota, Penn State, and Liberty, who everybody's going to think, oh, Liberty, well, that they could get a second win, right? Liberty is looking at excuse me, is looking to go to a bowl game. So so pump the brakes right there because Rutgers might be 1-11 for the second straight year because my guess is that they can't, they will not beat Liberty. Uh, uh, Langan, the Rutgers quarterback, who went to Boston College, okay, was converted at Boston College to a tight end. That's why he transferred back to Rutgers because he wanted to be a quarterback. And it took a miracle and a bunch of injuries for this guy to even get on the field at quarterback. He threw for a measly one yard today against um, against Indiana. Yeah, I said that right. Oh my God. One yard in a college football game is impossible yet he did it ladies and gentlemen he absolutely did it and Rutgers the most tenured program in college football history the birthplace of college football 150 years of college football they started it with a seven to six victory against Princeton or six to four whatever it was and yet 150 years later and they are nose diving backwards this is a plane without a pilot that's in a dead nosedive about to crash in the Atlantic Ocean. That's how bad this program is. They are the worst Division I program. Power, okay, let me rephrase that. They are the worst Power 5 program in the country. And if the Big Ten could have done it all over again, there's no way they would have accepted RU into the Big Ten. My God. Wisconsin only allowed 29 points on the season, and I watched Rutgers give up 35 in one game today. Just unbelievable. So, yeah, this game's over. Uh, Nationals, uh, it's official. Nationals win this one 3-1. Max Scherzer, 11 strikeouts, leads the way for them there. Just brilliant performance from him. Um, I kind of lost track of what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, the uh, the Cardinals, they did a good job against the Braves. Um, they moved on in that series. They're now down 2-0, and they've got to go to Washington. This is going to be interesting because uh, it looks like, you know, everybody that talked with the Nationals was they can't get out of the DS. They can't get out of the first round. Well, not only did they win the wild card, not only did they beat the vaunted Dodgers, you know, the perennial powerhouse of the National League, they beat them, and now they're up 2-0 on the St. Louis Cardinals. And hey, if they get 
to the to the World Series. Kudos to them. Um, they're doing it without Bryce Harper, which is wow. Um, Bryce Harper's got to be kicking himself. I mean, I just I can't believe that um, yeah, that the Nationals have been able to to ride this success and have this kind of success in a year after they they got he walked in and he went to the to the to the division rival Phillies. And speaking of the Phillies, I totally forgot about that. But Gabe Kapler was um, fired. You know, they had a very um, up and down season. If I'm not correct, he had the same record. Um, I think maybe not. Uh, he was either 61 and 63 or 63 and 61 in two seasons. But another guy that was fired after two years, much like Mickey Calloway, they had high um, expectations there. Um, Fla- Jack Flaherty for Steven Strasburg in game three. Hopefully Flaherty, he's been very good thus far in the playoffs. Um, one and one, 13 innings, you know, 277 ERA. But Strasburg has been uh, very dominant lately himself as well in the playoffs. Um, he was the best pitcher in like postseason history up until his, his previous outing. So um, he takes a 2-4-0 ERA into that game. Hopefully the Cardinals can get back to um, hitting the ball. They need Goldschmidt, Ozuna, guys that were really swinging a swinging a hot stick in the Brave series to really uh, step up and and tr- and start to get this thing uh, moving in the right direction because they're they're playing for their playoff lives down 2-0 going on the road. It is set up for the for the Nationals right now. Like my God, is it ever? Um, let's see. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything before we move on. Um, I think I pretty much covered everything. Um, Oh, Brian McCann, he did retire after 15 years after that uh, Game 5 loss. He immediately retired. Um, yeah, that's ba- that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to stop there. We'll take a, another quick break. Um, and then we're going to come back. I do want to talk just, just some... I'll get some other stuff in there real quick, and then we'll wrap this thing up. It's about 10 after 7, and uh, yeah, we'll be on our way because it is Yankees-Astros Game 1 ALCS, and I'm pumped, and I'm ready to go for this game. So quick break, and then we'll get back and wrap this thing up. All right, we're back. This isn't going to take too much longer. I want to start off by congratulating the Washington Mystics of the WNBA for winning their first uh, WNBA championship. Um, they had an outstanding season. Um, if you don't know too much about the WNBA, um, I'm sure you've heard of Elena Deladon. She is just an absolute animal when it comes to the game of basketball. She's like the Dirk. She's like Dirk um, in the WNBA. She's super tall. She she's just shoots threes and she could do it all, man. And uh, so basically, give you a little background on this. 21 years, 13 coaches. They had a new arena. Um, just so much mediocrity since the Mystics debuted all the way back in 1998. But um, yeah, they were able to capture that elusive WNBA title on Thursday night. They obviously couldn't have done it without Elena Deladon. Um, and she did not start her career with the Mystics. But not only that, she was banged up in the series, probably why she didn't win um, MVP of the finals. She revealed after the game on Thursday night that she she was playing this series with not one, not two, but three herniated discs in her back. That 
is what I'm talking about when I say athletes are a different breed. These professional athletes, especially their will to win and their will to play is unprecedented and it's second to none. So congrats to her. Congrats to the entire um, Washington Mystics team. And congratulations to Emma Misaman, who was crowned your your WNBA Finals MVP there. So uh, yeah, good job um, to them. Uh, that was a great series. They did it in five games. And, and hey, it looks to be as though Washington is the city right now, right? You've got the Washington Nationals, uh, you know, they're two games away from a World Series. You've got the Washington Mystics. The Washington Wizards ain't too bad themselves. Of course, you've got the Redskins who haven't won a game yet. But, hey, you can't be perfect on all of them. So, so hey, good for Washington. Good for, good for the D.C. area. Um, like I said, real quick, back to the whole baseball thing. Um, I think the Dodgers lose. Not only did the Dodgers not win a World Series the last two years, lo- made it there, couldn't finish. Okay, losing to both the Red Sox in last year and then the uh, Astros the year before that. But now the fact that they get upset in the DS, don't even make it to the ALCS, I'm sorry. But Dave Roberts has to go. He's just not a good manager. That's facts, baby. Um, Okay, let's see. Um, Let's move on. I do want to talk a little bit about the controversy that's been going on in the NBA with the um, whole China situation. So if I could basically sum this all up, you have Daryl Morey, the general manager for the um, the general manager for the Houston Rockets, okay? And he basically said, he posted a picture or something because the people of China, that is a communist country, and... He posted a picture basically and to the people who are protesting and said, uh, stay strong or something. Um, and there was a lot of backlash from China. He had to pull that tweet, issue a whole long winded um, apology. And it's been going on ever since then. Okay, we had the Nets and the Lakers over there um, playing an exhibition game. They were uh, not subject to um, speak to the media afterwards. You So basically, the most popular team in China is the Houston Rockets for many reasons, but namely it's one reason, and that is Yao Ming. Okay, not to mention the NBA gets paid probably billions of dollars from China, which we all basically figured that out now as this is coming out. They, um, many players have their sneakers made in China, so there's that aspect to it as well. Um, China threatens to basically pull games um, from their networks and all this different stuff, and CNN was blocked from asking players about the China fallout. You had Russell Westbrook and James Harden. They were asked a question. Um, I think I, I think I have some video here that I can pull up. Just very strange. Just very very strange. Um, it was a valid question. Nothing wrong with it. But take a take a listen to this. And um, just yeah, very strange. I hope there's not an ad with this video. Um, this is also why I should cue things up earlier. The NBA but here it has is. always been a league that prides itself on its player and its coaches being able to speak out openly about political and societal affairs. I just wonder, after the events of this week and the fallout we've seen, whether you would both feel differently about speaking out in that way in future. Um, excuse me, we'll take it out. It's a legitimate question. 
this is an event that's happened this week during during the MBA. This particular question has not been answered. James. So there it is, basically. Um, I don't know who that was, a PR person for the NBA or for the Rockets, but they said that question can't be answered. I thought it was a legitimate question. The NBA, she's right. They've always been open. The players speak their minds. We know LeBron James has been open about his political views, and he has talked um, you know, about that, that uh, side of things in, in society. And... Um, now, all of a sudden, now that China is putting a little pressure on the NBA, the NBA is caving to China because it is all about the money, okay? China has the NBA looking like a scared little boy right now, and it's pathetic. And there was nothing wrong with what Daryl Morey did, although it was pretty stupid when you think about the fact that um, yeah, they get paid a lot of money by China, especially the Houston Rockets. They're very popular there, and you know the government is not going to like what he said or what he did. And it just looks very bad. First of all, we say it all the time. We, we tell athletes, make, just reread what, you're, what you type before you send it out to the Twitter sphere because um, you can't pull it back before anyone sees it. And I guess he did not do that and, and just very uh, idiotic move. He's a general manager of a team. I mean, why is he even getting involved in the first place? It, it's just very stupid. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's been the major, major controversy that's been going on lately. And um, basically, so I'm going to see if I could, could basically break this down a little better and give you a timeline. Okay, so... Let's see. The yeah, Daryl Morey he caused substantial uh, damage with his relationship with China after he vo voiced his support for Hong Kong's pro democracy protesters. So if you've paid attention to the world news lately, that's what's going on in Hong Kong. There's a lot of uh, protests because they're a communist country, and there's a lot of people that are trying to get that regime change and get that t more towards a democracy like we have here in the United States, right? Okay, you have your checks and balances, you have some freedoms over there. It's you basically have no say. You have to do what you're told. Um, yeah, it's a very old school style of thinking, and it's not a country that any of us want to live in. But here's the thing: China makes up at least 10% of the NBA's current revenue, okay? And the country is expected to contribute even more than that over the next decade, perhaps reaching 20% of the league's revenue by 2030. So Daryl Morey's tweet, which could not be seen in China because the country has banned Twitter. Imagine that. Imagine living in a country that is so old school and so sideways with their thinking that they don't even they don't even allow Twitter in that country okay it's still it's, it was still saw uh, seen across the two countries okay now this is also likely being watched closely by other US companies that do business with China and have to balance their laws with US ideals so this is something um, to, to 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 be watchful of and, and to keep an eye out for um, so this all took place on Friday, October fourth. Uh, okay, so he set off um, this tweet that said, um, "Let's see." Well, he posted an image, like I said, that read, "Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong." So one hundred percent supporting these pro democracy, um, you know, protests or whatever, right? Okay, now 
Hours later, Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta responded with this on Twitter. Listen, Daryl Morey does not speak for the Rockets. Our presence in Tokyo is all about the promotion of the NBA internationally, and we are not a political organization. This is why when somebody told LeBron James to just shut up and dribble the basketball, everybody was like, oh my God, how dare you say that, blah, blah, blah. That's not so far off base. And, and I'll say this why, because listen, I understand that you're more than an athlete and you're a human being and you have thoughts and you, you have ideas too and you feel a certain way about things and, you've, and you believe that you have a platform to speak on these issues. Here's the thing. You don't and you shouldn't. Stick to what you know. You might think you know what's going on politically and you might think it's okay to voice your opinion one way or the other, but it's not a good idea because it never ends well. Politics, w- listen, if you go to family holiday, Christmas, right? Go to Christmas and you see your family like a couple times a year, Thanksgiving, whatever. If politics gets brought up at the table, at the dinner table, tell me there is not always uh, a full on argument, a close to a brawl situation going on here. Politics are the biggest argument um, that you will have amongst people. No, no two people are going to have the same opinion on something. And, and politics just really, for whatever reason, it gets people fired up. And it's one of those things that you better just nip it in the butt and just cut it off and not even go there. Because, not, you know, not for nothing, but um, if I was a professional athlete, I, I really would not talk politics, okay? I would not voice my opinion. I would not say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or I love Trump, I love this this guy, he's the best president ever, uh, you know, all that stuff. You just got to be mindful and watchful and very careful. Yes, you have, you have a huge platform and you have millions of followers and this and that, and you're, you're, you know, you're a high level, um, you know, person in an organization, a general manager, a player, whatever, a big name guy, LeBron James, whether you're LeBron James or the 53rd man on an NFL roster, you're still a somebody and you've got to be careful about what you say at the time that you say it. And this was a situation in which Maury uh, made a mistake here and shouldn't have said what he said. That's something where you want to maybe keep that to yourself. So then you you fast forward a couple days to Sunday, October 6th. This is when it starts to make the rounds in China and they react. The CBA, the Chinese Basketball Association, said on Sunday that it would suspend all cooperation with the Houston Rockets. China's c- consulate general excuse me, in Houston, also urged the team to clarify and immediately correct the mistakes, okay? Then CCTV5, the sports channel of China's top state broadcaster, announced that it would suspend airing Houston Rockets events on television. Last season, guys, this is why this is such a big, uh, this is such a big controversy. The more than 600 million people watched NBA games on Chinese television networks. If you look at the world population, China has the most people in the world in their in population, then it's India, then it's the US. Okay? So, yeah, 600 million people watched NBA games on Chinese television networks. Do you know that's more people than we have in America? I think we only have about 350, 370 million people living in the US, and China had more than that, almost double alone watching basketball NBA games. That is unprecedented, and that is a lot 
of revenue to be lost if you're the Houston Rockets. So obviously, that's why they're going to backtrack. Okay, then not only that, but Tencent Sports said it would suspend live streaming the games as well as reporting news about the team. So nearly 500 million people in China watched NBA programming on Tencent platforms during the last season. Um, it's just ridiculous. Those are ridiculous amounts of people. Um, the NBA then said it recognizes uh, this would be on Monday. It recognizes that Maury's views have deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China, which is regrettable. They go on to say, this is a quote, uh, while Daryl had made it clear that his tweet does not represent the Rockets or the NBA, the values of the league support individuals educating themselves and sharing their views on matters important to them. Um, we have great respect for the history and culture of China and hope that sports and the NBA can be used as a unifying force to bridge cultural divides and bring people together. So the response was heavily criticized by several U.S. politicians, both Democrats and Republicans. Um, Daryl Morey, he did say this. I did not intend my tweet to cause any offense to Rockets fans and friends of mine in China. I was merely voicing one thought based on one interpretation of one co complicated event. I have had a lot of opportunities since that tweet to hear and consider other perspectives. I have always appreciated the significant support our Chinese fans and sponsors have provided, and I would hope that those who are upset will know that offending or misunderstanding them was not my intention. My tweets are my own and in no way represent the Rockets or the NBA. Noticed how he said, um, how he said, uh, sponsors in there, you know, our Chinese fans and no, this is about the money. This is about the sponsors and yeah, the broadcasting rights and all that stuff and, and get, getting that revenue stream. Okay, then we have Joe Tsai. I'm going to kind of wrap this up. The executive vice chairman of Chinese tech giant Alibaba and the newly, uh, the newest owner of the Brooklyn Nets. He sought to diffuse the tensions by saying, the NBA has been very progressive in allowing players and other constituents a platform to speak out on issues. Um, he then criticized supporters of Hong Kong's protests, calling them a separatist movement in a territory controlled by China. Chinese citizens stand united when it comes to the territorial integrity of China and the country's sovereignty over her homeland. The issue is non-negotiable, he said. Um, then this just goes on and on all week. Okay, so I'm going to try to wrap this up. Then on Tuesday, the NBA responded again. They tried to do some more damage control. Adam Silver issued another statement. He said the NBA will not put itself in a position of regulating what players, employees, and team owners say or will not say. We simply could not operate that way. Um, I do know there are consequences from freedom of speech. We will have to live with those consequences. For those who question our motivation, this is about far more than growing our business. So so the league's initial response was criticized by some fans and politicians for appearing to basically compromise its principles and condemn by uh and condemned by others in China for offending national sensibilities. So they just caved to what China China said, "Oh my god." China basically said, "We're dropping everything." Um Houston Rockets, the NBA was like, "Oh crap." And then they tried to do damage control and say, "No, whatever you want, we'll make an apology. We'll do this, we'll do that. We can't lose this revenue stream. Uh we bow down to you and and basically all that good stuff." And then basically uh to to wrap this thing up, 
let's see, um, on Wednesday, every one of the NBA's partners in China suspends ties. All 11 of the NBA's official Chinese partners have suspended ties with the league since month. So this goes beyond the Houston Rockets. This is the entire league now. Um, this is since Monday. Um, China, Sea uh, Trip, China's, China's biggest online travel website, said that it has dropped all NBA excuse me, related tickets and travel products from its platform. Um, Meng New Diary, one, uh, dare, yeah, dairy, one of the country's top milk producers vowed to suspend all commercial cooperation with the NBA. So you can see why this is such a big deal because basketball is a huge part of the culture and society in China, and they are a top-tier, huge, huge um, revenue stream for the NBA. And that's why the NBA has caved and is trying to do so much damage control and it doesn't look like it's working. Um, yeah, this is just going on and on. Like I said, the, the, the Lakers and Nets faced off on Thursday in Shanghai. Um, and then they played again today, actually. Um, some social use, social media users in China have been calling for boycotts of the NBA events. They were not made available to the media after these games. Uh, just crazy. It's something to monitor um, throughout the next couple of weeks. Obviously, the NBA preseason has started, and the season is getting ready to to get underway in the next co- uh, coming weeks. So, uh, yeah, something something to just be, be mindful of and be watchful of, and hopefully I was able to catch you guys up and, and um you know give you guys the 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 goods on what's been on what's going on there okay so i want to wrap this thing up right now um we've got of course NFL games on this weekend, all weekend long. We have my Jets. They get Sam Darnold back. They're hosting the Cowboys. The line right now is seven. Um, Chris Herndon was set to make his return. He's out. So I'm taking the Cowboys minus seven. They've lost two in a row. They get a big time easy win. This is an easy no-brainer, no-brainer whatsoever. You got, of course, MLB playoffs. Like I said, the Yankees start tonight um, in their ALCS. You've got the uh, Nats and the, uh, the Cardinals as well. So keep an eye on that. Uh, let's see. You've got, uh, what else you got? Yeah. Number seven, Florida versus number, uh, at number five, LSU. That's at eight o'clock. I'll have both those games on. Okay. So back to the NFL real quick. I want to give you some picks cause I didn't get a chance to do that. Um, who's there's some, Oh, Todd Gurley is not playing this weekend guys. I believe they are set to play the, um, who are the Rams playing? Excuse me. Crap. Uh, Crap, who are the Rams playing this weekend? Oh, the 49, the 4-0 49ers, ladies and gentlemen. Duh, the Rams are three-point favorites as of right now. I would go ahead and jump on the uh, 49ers right now at, at plus three. That's a good bet. Until the 49ers, I mean, this would be a game that they would lose. The Rams are reeling as well, and they need a win. But no, no Todd Gurley, I don't know. That might actually benefit them because he hasn't been himself and just, I don't know. That's that's an interest. I would, I would still take the 49ers. I like what I I saw from them on Monday night. And then the other one, I don't know how true this is, so I'm going based off what my friend said. Apparently, Alvin Kamara isn't going to play against the Jaguars, and the line has now moved Jaguars minus three. I can't confirm or deny that. He's pretty knowledgeable, um, so I'm just going to go with what he said. He kind of over-exaggerates things, too, and he could be playing Alvin Kamara in fantasy, so maybe he's just hopeful that he's not playing, but keep an eye on that. The Jaguars minus three at home. It's Minshew mania. The Jags were 
tweeting out video of how they got a whole bunch of uh, mustaches in in boxes uh, sent to the stadium. They're going to be handing those out to fans. They're fake Minshew, you know, Gardner Minshew uh, mustaches. So that's pretty cool. Okay, some other games. You've got the Seahawks and the host uh, coming across the country to face the Browns. Um, This one is uh, push. Uh, and I'm going to take the four and one Seahawks over the two and three Browns. You got the Chiefs minus four hosting the Texans. Okay, Tyreek Hill hopefully will play. Give me the Chiefs. They've got to be able to cover a single game. Come on now, Chiefs, get back in your winning ways. Mahomes one touchdown in two weeks, not going to get it done. In the game of uh, undefeated, uh, excuse me, winless teams, you got the Dolphins hosting the Redskins. The Redskins are three and a half point favorites. This is this is kind of crazy. Um, I'm just going to take the Redskins for the pure and simple fact that they're going to get that boost um, with the new head coach. I'll take, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just take, don't bet on this game. Whatever you do, please don't bet on this game. Um, next, you've got the, you know, I don't want to go over every single game here, but um, the Jaguars minus three against the Saints. I'd be hard pressed to take that game, but I'm loving me some Minshew media. Not not betting on that game. You've got the Ravens. Okay, the Ravens hosting the Bengals. Ravens at minus 10.5. That defense can't stop a nosebleed right now, but you would think they'd be able to stop the Red Rocket and Andy Dalton. He's got no receivers. He's throwing to a guy named Auden Tate, Tyler Boyd, and uh, John Ross, I believe, is now on IR. So um, yeah, that's one to keep an eye out for. You've got the Cardinals. They finally got their first win a week ago. They host the Falcons. Like I said, the Falcons one in four. They are two and a half point favorites on the road. Give me the Falcons. They are desperate for a win. And a quick note about the Cardinals. Their running back, David Johnson, has missed practice all week. They said he's likely to play, but in what capacity, we don't know. I picked up Chase Edmonds and I'm starting him because I have no choice right now. And then you've got the Steelers and Chargers in the Sunday night game. Um, this should be Chargers easily. The spread's only six and a half. That is shocking. Um, I would. They got Melvin Gordon back last week, although he didn't do too much. I would easily take the Chargers here to win by a touchdown. And then you've got the Monday night game, the the uh, NFC North matchup between the Packers and Lions. Packers minus four. And um, yeah, I'll simply take, well, Devontae Adams is out. Um, this is going to be a close game, but I'm not going to, bet against Aaron Rodgers on Monday night football. And then, like I said, you had the Patriots and the Giants on Thursday night, the Patriots. That was a close one, 14-14. And then the Patriots, you know, ran away with it 35-14. to That defense has been unbelievable. So um, that I went through that a little bit quick, but hopefully you got it. And then last but not least, it's always, um, I always do on this date in sports. Okay. And um, I'm going to bring it back to some, um, to some baseball, obviously, I always do some baseball stuff. Don't really have anything great. 1907, the Cubs beat the Tigers four games to zero in in the fourth World Series ever. Um, and then this one's actually from yesterday, but this is really cool. Um, 1992, this would be October 11th, 1992. Deion Sanders played an NFL game for the Atlanta Falcons, then flew to Pittsburgh and suited up for the Atlanta Braves in an MLB playoff game in hopes of becoming the first professional athlete to play both sports in the same day. Unfortunately, the Braves did not put him in the lineup, but still pretty cool. If you ever saw, if you ever see that, th- have a chance to watch that 30 for 30 on Deion Sanders, it was pretty epic. They talk about him playing for both teams and, and whatnot. So um, yeah, I think that's going to wrap this thing up. Um, this last segment was a little bit longer than I wanted it to be, but um, yeah, yeah. 
Um, enjoy the weekend, guys. I'm going to be watching my Jets lose a fifth consecutive game, but hopefully I can win some money. Hopefully I can improve to, what, 6-0 and now in fantasy. Is that what my team is? Yep, 5-0. and I'm doing it. You know, I, I put this team together with, with, with duct tape and, and uh, chewing gum and, and paper clips and everything right now. I have so many injuries. I'm praying Tyreek Hill is able to play, um, but hopefully I can improve to 6-0, and win some extra money um, on top of what I won today with the Rutgers game. Um, enjoy your playoff baseball. The hockey season is back underway as well. Um, yeah, NBA is coming up soon. This is a great time to be a sports fan. I'll catch you guys on the Sports Minute on Glorious House of Gains, and I'll see you for episode 71 in one week from now. This is The Pody signing out. <laughs>